Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Romaldi here with Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and we bring it to the streets. Give me a shout out, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail. I got Pastor Michael Teddy with me. Pastor Michael, you want to give us a greeting, email if somebody wants to give a shout out to you. Let us know how the church is doing there, and then we'll start our, continue our study in the epistle of James. Yes, it's always good to uh, do these podcasts with you, Pastor Dominic. I really enjoy them. Um, and uh, we really hope it blesses all of you who are listening in. So my name is Michael and uh, I pastor a small church here in the southern tip of India called Redemption Hill Church. You can check us out at redemptionhill.in. And uh, if you want to write to me, you can write to me at michaelteddy at gmail.com or redemptionhill.india at gmail.com. Um, so if you're ever visiting, like I always say, we'd love to have you reach out and uh We'd love to fellowship with you, but it's just a joy to do this. The church is doing well. Uh, we're all keeping well. We did have a series of sicknesses. Uh, we had a viral infection that was going about uh, the city. And so I think almost everybody in the church got sick one after another. So we did have a few weeks of difficulty. My dad was hospitalized for a few days, uh, but we're all back now and we are, we're still, we are, you know, recovering and getting back into Thing. So we had a very slow start to the new year, but God is good and we're looking forward to what he has in store for us. Praise the Lord. And if you don't know, um, uh, Michael's going to be a dad again. And we did mention that on the last show. So baby Ethan will have a either a little brother or sister. And uh, we're grateful and thankful for that. Um, we want to get right into the epistle of James. We've lost connection with brother Ashuk. So he'll join us on the next podcast, uh, Lord willing. So he's working on some technical issues, but we will miss him. We love him. Um, and he adds a, a lot to the show. Very good student of the word. So we'll miss him on these next couple of segments, but he'll catch up with us as soon as he can. So we are in the second chapter in the epistle of James. James, as we know, is the Lord's brother. We know this epistle was written very early. And we were talking last time about the sin of favoritism, uh, the disparity sometimes that was happening then, and we know is happening a lot in the church now. I want to read the first seven verses one more time, and I want to ask my colleague, uh, Pastor Michael, to expound and, and look and think about, uh, let me say this better, expound in a way that we can look at the exegesis and apply it to today, how favoritism sometimes is prevalent today, is alive and well in the church today. So uh, let me read, reading again from the Legacy Standard Bible. If you guys are just joining us, we are discussing the first seven verses in the second chapter of James in the Bible. The Word of God says, my brothers, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism, 
For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in bright clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the bright clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit by my footstool, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? Verse six, but you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and they themselves drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the good name by which you have been called? Now, I want to I wanna say this, Pastor Michael, before I pass it over to you. Please hear this. These are believers. James is dealing with believers. And this is very early in the church. And, and uh, Pastor Michael, we were discussing last week, this is in the 40s this was written. This is probably 13, 14, 15 years after Jesus resurrected. So exegetically, this is happening right away. Right away in the New Testament, we're talking about this, disparate, this disparaging of, of if you're poor or you're rich and, you know, the pastor is going to pay more attention to the rich people over the poor people. Pastor Michael, um, how prevalent is that today? I mean, this is this happened 13, 14 years after Jesus resurrected. Can you give us some practical points of today and, and how dangerous this can be? Uh, absolutely. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> the first thought that was coming to my mind as you were reading it again is that Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, 12, um, instructs us that we are not to judge those outside the church but it is certainly our responsibility to judge those within the church. Amen. So judgment in and of itself is not sinful. We are called to judge one another. However, here we have James talking about a kind of judgment that's unrighteous, a kind of judgment that is self-serving, a kind of judgment that is clearly sin. So it's, you know, it's almost how the Bible talks about anger. It says, be angry, but do not sin. But all of us in our anger tend to sin. And so judging one another is necessary. But this kind of judgment, and here the example is specifically about money. It's about rich people and poor people and how you prefer one over the other. Now, this can happen with money. It can happen with ethnicity. It can happen with race. It can happen with all sorts of uh, things it can happen with gender it can and it's important for us to understand that the gospel is the center and such distinctions as they were making here like you were saying believers were making here were sinful and so i i you know in, uh, one of the examples that comes to my mind is uh, when we planted the church there was when uh, we used to partake of the lord's table one of the things we used to do, because we were a small church at that point, is that we used to have one cup uh, for the wine, which we used to pass around and everybody used to participate from the same cup, right? And um, which was something that we did uh, because we followed the example of another church we knew that did that. And the reason they did that was because in their church, they had poor people and rich people coming. And when they used to pass the same cup to drink from, 
amongst themselves. It created a unity. It kind of broke the barriers of money because they were eating and drinking of the same. Mm. And so they were passing the same plate around. It doesn't seem like a significant thing to do, but it definitely had a significant impact because there were people who were coming there who would find it difficult to participate in the Lord's table because there was, you know, a poor man from a poor home who is sitting there who drinks from that cup and the rich people don't want to share that cup. And and we did that for a for a while as a church. I think for the first two to three years we did that. Uh, we transitioned off that only once COVID struck, right, and right, right. Uh, it, it, for safety reasons we moved into individual cups. And so as a church, we have taken steps wherever necessary where we've found that kind of disparity to exist. We've kind of stepped in and kind of helped the congregation move past that with theology and with some practical help like that. So that's one example that comes off the top of my mind. Good. So so we want to transition now. Great practical point, you know, in, in taking the Lord's Supper, obviously, and, and uh, drinking from the same cup, which is biblical. I, I think that we are a church family and a great practical point. So if I go now, I'm going to read now, I think this transitions nicely into verse eight, and I'm going to read. I'm going to read down uh, to thirteen. But I think there's a good transition, and there's that if clause, right, uh, Pastor Michael, in verse eight. If just think about what Pastor Michael says. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law or the gospel according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin, being convicted by the law of transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law, now this is speaking about the Mosaic law, and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. And mercy triumphs or boasts against judgment. So, Pastor Michael, that's an easy transition. I think that's a smooth transition into now saying the gospel. You know, think about the gospel it has no partiality, right, Pastor Michael? I mean, rich and poor, yeah. it's available to everybody. So I think it's a smooth transition. But but talk to me about those couple of verses that we just read and, and how you would uh, expound on them if you had to. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a great few verses that kind of corners the legalist. It's a great few <laughs> verses that you know kind of puts puts them into that into that place where now they got to answer for this because. So I think what James is trying to do here is he's talking to people who are passing judgment um, in a wrongful way, in an unrighteous way, and he's using so he's using the law on the judges. So those who are wielding the law, he is using the same law against them, and he's trying to point out to them that this is how the law works. So if you don't commit adultery and you keep that side of the law, but you commit murder, 
you've still broken the whole law uh, and you are guilty to be punished. Uh, and in, in God's eyes, we are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. And um, it doesn't matter if we keep 90% of the law and mess up the 10% because we're still guilty of the 10% of having broken the law. Uh, and, you know, I love it when scripture does this, where uh, scripture takes the boastful and levels the playing field, right? He looks at them and he says, he, he looks at the Jews and the Greeks and he kind of levels the playing field. He looks at the Jews and says, you're sinners. He looks at the Greeks and says, you're sinners. And he looks at both of them and says, all of you are sinners all the time. And you're all in this together. The judgment with which we judge has to be a righteous judgment. And here what's happening is partiality. This is self-serving. Mm. So they're looking yes. at a certain kind that they like, a certain kind of distinction that they have a close affinity to. Now, the thing is, now this is a very overt thing that we are seeing here. But in many of our churches, it might not be so overt because I think pastors have the tendency of favoritism when there are a certain, I, I'll give you an example. I, I think pastors like to deal with people that are more submissive than with people that are less submissive. Right? <laughs> I like we, that, Michael. Yeah, we, we like to, we, we'd <laughs> like to confront people who are, you know, who, who who would take it well and not confront people that's going to really jump back at us. And uh, we tend to do that, but all of that is self-serving. Uh, and we ought not to do that. We should deal with people with as much uh, love and care and wisdom. And that means we correct them. We have reproof and we have admonishing and training and all of that happens. In, in fact, I'll tell you this. I think... Uh, theologically astute pastors tend to spend more time with theologically astute congregants. Uh, they would rather talk about the gospel and theological insights with them than spend one hour with the thick-headed congregant that can't <laughs> understand the logic of those th you know, theological insights. And I think we all it's all over the place and sin is what is at work. And if we love our neighbor as ourselves, then we would look at that person that is not so theologically astute, that can't understand so much of the things that we talk about. If we love them as ourselves, then we are willing to labor with them, walk with them, no matter how long it takes to bless them, to help them. And so I just want us to remember that these distinctions that James is talking about are both overt and hidden, covert, and it's all over the place. And it's our sin that's self-seeking, self-serving. And I think pastors are in danger of falling. I am in danger of falling prey to that. And I want to avoid that. And I want to take um, what, what he's telling me here about good judgment. I'm a sinner. I'm breaking the law if I'm showing that kind of partiality. And I can't. I shouldn't. I should be going to the least of us and offering as much of the grace as I would offer to the best of us. Yeah, very good. Um, that's, a, that's a great point. A lot of points. There's a lot to digest in what Pastor Michael said. One of the tough verses in this pericope that we just read is verse 13. For it says, for, for judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy, 
mercy triumphs over judgment. So I'm going to read from my notes a little bit here, and then I want to ask you to uh, expound on it. What I got here is here, if someone does not show mercy in the context towards the poor, judgment will be unmerciful for the one not doing mercy or better showing mercy. That is why it can be explained that mercy triumphs over judgment. And this is something we all should be aware of. Am I correct, Michael, on that? Absolutely. And and I think when we're looking at what we're looking at here, I, I want to be careful to make the distinction. Judgment is good. Judgment, when it is done righteously by Amen. God, is good, right? And the wicked must be punished. Evil must be purged. Judgment is good. And so is mercy, right? And uh, in the gospel, in the, on the cross of Jesus Christ, we don't have mercy replacing judgment. We have both mercy and judgment fulfilled. Amen. Jesus takes upon himself the judgment that should have fallen upon us and extends to us mercy so that we can be saved. And so when we say mercy triumphs over judgment, I think within the context, we're specifically talking about unrighteous judgment. We're specifically talking about judgment that discriminates and a judgment that's not according to the law, a judgment that is sinful. In all of these contexts, it's just better to be merciful. Mercy will triumph over these judgments. It's our natural disposition should be one of mercy, one of extending mercy, especially in these circumstances, especially to the poor. Um, and we need to be able to show that kind of mercy, that kind of generosity, that kind of care. And uh, that, and, and, I'm, and I think about my dad a lot when it comes to this, because um, I don't, I don't think the man has any distinctions uh, between poor and rich to an extent that I can't fathom it. I mean, in our society, if we have maids that come to our home. A lot of houses have a secluded bathroom, a secluded place for maids where they can go and do all that they do. And it's not bad to do that. It, it gives them a privacy. It's all it's all well and well done. But my dad would encourage them to use the family bathroom. My dad would encourage them to use the family mattress. My dad would give them a lot of things that he would... that normal families would only give their family members. And because he does not want that distinction to exist, that they're a poor person, and then so they're not worthy to be in our rooms, or they're not worthy to be sit at our table, they're not worthy. So he constantly gives them the preferred seat. He constantly gives them uh, honor. And I have watched that and seen the blessing of that a lot. And so I, and I so I think it's important for us to remember that uh, we have to be gracious people. And, and it's a great symbol of the gospel to do that um, because that's one way where people will look at you and say, why are you so gracious? Why are you so loving? And it's a great open door for evangelism to talk about what Jesus did for us and why we treat other people this way. You know, I was reading a, a commentary on on James and uh, Vlaco said this, exactly what you just said. I just want to read it verbatim. It says, but our merciful attitude and actions will count as evidence of the presence of Christ within us. 
And it is on the basis of this union with the one who perfectly fulfilled the law for us that we can have confidence of vindication at the judgment. That's well said. Amen. I mean, that's really Amen. well said. And I, and I, and I think that, you know, as pastors, it's so easy to talk to people that are easy to talk to. Yeah. But you, but you notice Jesus was always, I want to be careful here, not for, for the outcast, but he was always for the people where the apostles were saying, well, leave, leave us alone. We don't want to bother with you or the children. Leave us, you know, and the woman with the issue of blood or you know, stop bothering the master and, and things like that. And Jesus would always say, well, wait, time out, guys, relax, bring him here. And then it was, and then it would be funny, the apostles would say, oh, now the Lord wants to see you, right? You know, but he would have compassion on the people that no one would have compassion on. And I think that's a, a lesson that we probably need to learn as pastors, uh, Pastor Michael, if, if you agree with that. Yes, I do. I think a common principle I kind of think about is um, I think we should constantly think about that most irritating guy out there that uh, gets on our nerves, that one person that that has us uh, in the corner praying that, you know, that that one person that we find really difficult to um, communicate with or fellowship with and and remember that Jesus died for him or for her. And I, I, you know, I think about even my unbeliever friends, um, people who really get on my nerves, people who do a lot of harm, people who have inflicted pain upon me. And I think about the gospel and I think about the good news of the gospel that is extended to them. I mean, we praise Paul quite a bit in our time but in his time, <laughs> Paul was somebody people didn't want to associate with. Yeah. And so if if we lose sight of the gospel, um, we, we lose grace. And that is why we have to be able, to, and I'm not saying that we put aside judgment and we don't call wrong, wrong, or we don't confront evil. We do all of that, but we do it with the spirit of love and grace, knowing that tomorrow Jesus is able to save that person across the street that's been bullying you all this time and he can become the next budget. I think for me, I think when we deal with people, we have to think about how God dealt so kindly with us. You know, Amen. look at how we were. I mean, we think, who do we think we are? Do you think we will like to, you know, this, you know, oh, Jesus saved Pastor Dominic and Pastor Michael because they are just perfect. No, we are wretched men. And I think that we we have to be careful that the faith that has been given to us is a gift. This is a gift. If you're a Christian today, that's a gift. And and, and I'm, I'm going to ask Pastor Michael. I'm going to bother him. I know it's late. But I, I, I want to know if he would like to do just one more because this faith in works thing is, is the next few verses. And it's only a few verses. And if he would be kind enough to spend another 25 minutes with me, I'd love to see us expound on this because we are saved by sovereign grace. And here we are making distinctions that we would say, well, we don't want to talk to this guy because he's aggravating. Well, how aggravating were we to the Lord with our sin 
Um, so I, I want to be really careful. This is really convicting in, in just reading and looking at this, that we want to be really careful to, 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 we need to look at ourselves first before we look at the brother that we don't want to talk to. And we're out of time. And so I, Pastor Michael, would you indulge with me another few more minutes? Um, sure, sure. On the faith and works deal. Be, and then we can, uh, we can get him off the bed because his, his son might be waking up in a little bit. It's really late in India. But um, hey, Pastor Michael, sign us off, brother. I think uh, I'll close with this, that um, partiality is a sin and we're all sinners and we tend to think about things that are most important for us. But we need to take our eyes off ourselves and we need to look at Jesus more and more. So thank you for listening in. This is Street Talk Theology, where we take theology to the streets and we talk about Jesus and his glorious gospel. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org. Music